good morning, real life. Excited to continue our sermon series of the fruit of the spirit on this uh, Mother's Day. And uh, hopefully you guys have already gotten your photos out at the photo booth out there. And if not, guys, you gotta, you gotta, in, gotta get in there, right? It's Mother's Day. Whatever mom wants, mom gets. And so uh, we, are, we are in the process of really looking at the fruit of the spirit and what does it mean to walk uh, with the Spirit. Uh, Galatians 5 talks about this, that there's this, uh, the, the Holy Spirit that is in war with the Spirit of the flesh, and that we as God's people are called to walk by the Spirit, Paul says in verse 16. You'll not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in contrary each other so you're not to do whatever you want. And so for us as followers of Jesus, they've chosen to follow Jesus, make Jesus Lord of our lives, that the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and that we live wanting to walk by the Spirit, but knowing that the flesh is contrary. The flesh is this opposite of what God wants and desires, wars within us. But if we choose to walk with the Spirit, the Spirit produces fruit in our lives. What is that fruit? Paul says later on in chapter five, the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so each week we're looking at each of these uh, fruit of the Spirit and really doing a word study on each of them. And so we did love, we did joy last week, and this week we are talking about peace. And so um, this morning uh, we're going to talk to the moms a little bit, we're also going to talk to the guys. My first word of wisdom for you guys, men, if you want peace on Mother's Day, don't go cheap. <laughs> and I've got a story attached to this on why you don't go cheap. You see, when I was growing up as a kid, uh, I had a father who was cheap, and um, he had really good motives sometimes, really good heart, but sometimes execution wasn't so great. And so I remember, I, I think this was for my mom's Mother's Day. It might have been for her birthday. I can't really remember, but the story fits. And so um, we did family photos with just my dad and my brothers growing up as a gift for my mom. And uh, my mom actually has these photos, and so I asked her to take a picture of them and send them to me because back in the day, we didn't have digital photos. And so here's one of the photos from to my mom. And, uh, I mean, cool, nice, dressed guys, right? This is late 90s, early 2000s, as you can tell. And uh, this is over at the train depot, if you guys know where that's at, right? Um, and then here's a couple other photos of me and my dad, me and my brother, or my brother and my dad. Now, here's the story on why this was a train wreck, okay? When we got these shirts... My dad says, hey, we're going to get photos for your mom. I'm like, okay. He's like, here's the shirts I got. I'm like, okay. He's like, don't take the tags off of them. <laughs> and I'm like, why? He's like, don't worry about it. Don't take the tags off of them. All right, look at the tags. These are Shopco shirts on clearance. So we go and get family photos done with tags on them. We go home, he goes, I want all these shirts back. I go, why? He goes, I'm taking them back. 
of why I'm getting my money back. Dad, seriously? They're like $10 for all three of them. He's like, we're not going to wear them ever again. And so my dad went and took them back. And we got pictures to my mom. And my mom goes, where'd you get these shirts? I haven't seen them. Oh, don't worry about it. What do you mean, don't worry about it? I took them back. You took them back? It was good up until that moment, right? So guys, don't go cheap. Um, part of the reason why uh, my dad did this is to be really transparent and vulnerable with you is, is my dad was a stressor over finances. Guys, any of you guys stress over finances? He stressed over finances. And oftentimes what that meant is that there were times when peace was not found in the home because there was a worry, there was an anxiety, there was an anxiousness in regards to our home, in regards to finances. And um, that caused a lot of different things to take place. And for all of us this morning, like we're all guilty, some of us, of, of living in that reality, not having peace over our finances. But maybe it's not finances this morning. Maybe you've come and you've got something else that you're worrying about, something else that you're anxious about, something else that you're waking up at two in the morning, wrestling with the Lord in. How do you come to a place of peace and walk with the Spirit and living in peace? We're designed to live in peace. But oftentimes other things take over our hearts and our minds and keep us from actually living in a state of peace. What is this peace that the Bible talks about? This peace that the Bible talks about is the word shalom. Everybody say shalom. It's also Greek for Irene, which you're looking up there and you might say, that says Irene, because that's the first time I looked at it and I thought of Irene, well, that it's Irene. Um, but peace, shalom, it means to be complete, to be whole. When scripture talks about this word peace, it's talking about completion, wholeness, being a person that walks in, in wholeness. And the only way we experience this peace is with Jesus. Jesus talked about it with his disciples. And for some of you this morning, you might be coming in here not having a whole lot of peace on Mother's Day, which is actually quite um, normal. But Jesus said this to his disciples, and I think it's true for us as well this morning. John chapter 14, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance of all that I have said to you. And he says to his disciples in the midst of a very troubling time for them, he says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, Neither let them be afraid. This offers is a peace that is a deep well of confidence that God is who he is, that he will do what he says he will do. And this peace that we experience with Jesus, it's often unexplainable, often incomprehensible, but we know when we have it, and we certainly know when we don't, don't we? Oftentimes when I'm trying to explain the peace that I experience with Jesus, with people, oftentimes they ask questions like, I don't understand how you can be in this posture or be in this place. It's much like how joy, we talked about joy last week, having a posture or a state or a presence. And people ask, how are you in this place? How, do you, how can you describe to me of how you've gotten there? And oftentimes it's hard for us as Christians to go, I don't know. 
but it's rooted in a belief that Jesus is who he says he is, that God is who he says he is, and that he will fulfill his promises, whether in this life or the next one to come. And so it's, it's, it's completeness, it's wholeness that drives us as disciples of Jesus. Not our fear, not our worry, not our anxiety. And the reason why we have this peace is because of what Jesus has done for us. Romans chapter 5 talks about this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, everybody say faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that we as human beings can move into this place of peace that we desire and that we long for is we have to recognize where the source of it comes from, and it's Jesus. It's, people, it's human beings deciding that they have entrusted themselves over to the lordship of Jesus. And because they've entrusted themselves in the lordship of Jesus, his love that has been pouring out over us since the day we've been born, we accept that reality. We walk in that reality of the faith of his promises. And what begins to fill our hearts is actually peace. That we have peace with God. We have peace with Jesus because he's restored wholeness to his people through the death, burial, and resurrection Jesus is the only thing that can bring us peace. Peace with God, peace to ourselves, and peace with others. Does this mean I won't have any problems in life? No, 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 no. And Jesus said it plainly. In this life, you will have many troubles. Many troubles. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And so for all of us as followers of Jesus, we have to understand that the true peace is not found in the absence of problems. You're going to continue to have problems. But true peace is understanding that in the midst of my problems, Jesus is with me. The presence of God is with me. And so it doesn't matter, as we just sang, whatever valley we go through, we can walk through the valley because Jesus is with us. The scriptures also talk about how we get to a state of peace. And not only is it a matter of understanding that we have our faith in Jesus and because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we can obtain this peace. But in addition to that, there's some things that scripture actually tells us that we should do if we want to experience peace. Isaiah chapter 26, it says this, that in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. This is talking in regards to God's people eventually experiencing peace and the foreshadowing of what's going to take place amongst his people when the Prince of Peace actually comes, when Jesus comes, and how the people will actually experience peace. He goes on to say, we have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. When the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps peace faith you will keep in perfect peace everybody say perfect peace what's awesome about this is that in the hebrew that word perfect peace is just shalom twice you will keep in shalom shalom those who minds are what's that next word steadfast those that want to experience perfect peace a double portion of peace Wholeness, completion, have to be a people whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. We talked about this last week, that we can enter into a posture of joy because we understand that God is going to fulfill his promises that God is going to walk beside us that God is the Lord of all situations all circumstances and then our happiness our joy is not dictated by those but it's dictated on the goodness of who God is in his character peace is the same way 
that we as God's people have to actually choose to be steadfast in his word. And when we're steadfast in his word, we actually experience peace. And here's the reason why. It's because I know, as someone who oftentimes struggles with anxiety, that when I am wrestling with fear and worry and anxiety, what is my mind steadfast in? Where does my mind go when I'm full of fear or worry or concern? It goes into my situation. It goes into my circumstances. It goes into what if, what if, what if, and it begins the rabbit hole. Are you with me, you guys? And all of a sudden, am I being steadfast in God's word? No. Am I feeling and am I worries and my concerns, are they valid? Absolutely. But as God's people, we have to choose to state the obvious, wrestle with the obvious, wrestle with what we're wrestling with, and then eventually choose to put it aside and go, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? And we have to be a people that are going to choose to do what Isaiah 26 says. You will keep in perfect peace. God says this through Isaiah, that God will keep those in perfect peace, those whose minds are steadfast, steadfast in trusting you steadfast in your word trust and obedience according to isaiah is the pathway to experiencing god and experiencing peace it's choosing to declare to the lord the things that i'm wrestling with but then deciding but your word says this and i'm going to hold on to this i'm going to hold on to this and for some of you this morning, this is really important because some of you, and I'm going to talk to the women this morning, this is a tough day for you. For some of you, you've come, Mother's Day is supposed to be a time of celebration, but Mother's Day oftentimes isn't. It's full of anxiety, it's full of worry, it's full of heartache, it's full of sorrow. Single moms that don't know if they're going to make it. Can I keep doing this by myself? Women that desire to be a mom. And you can't have children. Moms that keep trying to have children. And it just never seems to work out. Moms that have lost another child through miscarriage or sudden death. Moms that are estranged from their mother. Moms that don't feel like they are being a good mom. Women that have had an abortion. Moms that are struggling in their marriage and trying to honor their husband as a wife and a mother. If you're here this morning and that's you, Maybe I didn't even fill in the blank wherever you're at. I just want to ask you, would you be willing to let Jesus minister to you this morning? Would you let Jesus minister to you? Do you understand that Jesus wants to minister to you like a mom, mother's children? Jesus looked over his children in Jerusalem as he goes to the cross, as he's heading to the cross, and he says, how I longed to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks. How I longed for you to come to me. How I longed for you to walk in relationship with me. Paul says this, that, it, that we cared for you like a mom cares for her child. He says that. That Jesus desires to minister to you, to walk beside you. You've got to be willing to trust his word in the midst of the pain that you find yourself in. That's always difficult. It's always difficult. But Paul says this as his people. He says in Philippians chapter 4, finally, brothers and sisters, 
Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what's the next word he says? Think about such things. We need to be honest with Jesus about the pain that we experience. We need to be honest about the hurt and pain, the trauma, the anxiety, the fear. We need to be honest with Jesus and pour that out to him. But there also has to be a transition where we stop fascinating on the things that are out of our control. And we have to come to Philippians and we have to begin to think about whatever is true, whatever is noble, noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, praiseworthy. And we have to start meditating on these things. And when we do that, whatever you have learned, he said, or received from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And then the God of, the God of peace will be with you. The peaceful presence of God is found when you focus on the voice and the words of God. And this requires us every single day every to ask the question, Lord, what voice is going to be the predominant voice in my life today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day? This is what Isaiah is talking about. And as you become a person of peace, as God brings peace into your heart, he's going to invite you to bring peace into the rest of the world. That's what we're called to be as God's chosen people, that we're called to be a people that walk with peace, that walk with Jesus, and then bring peace into the world. You see, peace as a verb means to make something complete or to make something, uh, to restore something. You're called to be an agent of peace in a world that doesn't have peace with itself. You're called to be an agent of peace. You're called to be a people that as Jesus forgives you, as Jesus ministers to you, as he speaks his truth over you and your heart slowly is transformed into his heart, he's inviting you to then offer forgiveness, ministry, peace to others. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 12. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. What does that mean, to be an agent of peace? It means to bring completeness when things are not complete. So for some of you, you've got stuff going on in your family that's not complete. What does it look like for you to bring some things to completeness? It means to bring wholeness when things are broken or the things that are broken. And Jesus is calling you to bring wholeness in the midst of brokenness, to bring restoration when things are in destruction, to not fear the lack of peace in our world. I don't know if you guys have noticed, it's a little bit chaotic right now, isn't it? And as God's people, we get to stand up and show the world that our, our peace is not found in what's going on amongst our community, amongst our nation, amongst the world, but instead to say, Jesus, who is my Prince of Peace, gives me words that allows me to entrust myself over to him and to walk in the midst of shalom. It means being willing to help make people whole that God's people, we get to help make 
people whole in the midst of suffering, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of brokenness. It requires us to put our trust in Jesus. It requires us to walk faithfully with him. It requires us to listen to his words over and over and over again and to not allow the things of our heart to move away from him and his word and his truth and his character. Last week I shared with you guys about uh, Trent. Trent is a guy that is attending our church that is struggling because he lost his brother a tragic accident. His brother was in Hawaii where he lives running on a road like he often does and was hit by a drunk driver. And he's been wrestling with the Lord saying, Lord, how could you? Full of anger, frustration. Justifiably so. This week he uh, flew to Hawaii to honor his brother and as he is getting ready to fly over to be a part of his brother's funeral, he sent me a message, a video of his brother's pastor. And his brother's pastor is telling the story of the interactions with Trent's dad and how Trent's dad is, is showing the world what peace looks like. And the response that, that Trent's dad had as he flew into Hawaii. And I am just in awe of how Trent is struggling with anger, but his dad is helping him see what it means to walk in peace in the midst of tragedy. Let's take a look. Ray, the light shines. And, and if I could give this example... I was so touched by Chris's dad, and I was talking to Chris's dad uh, at dinner this past week um, at Catherine's house, and, and um, it's such a precious family. Like, I hope you guys have a chance to just, you know, talk to them during church. But after dinner, I was talking to him, and the first thing that he told me was when the plane set down on, on, on Maui, that he just started crying because he knew he'd never see his son again. And, and I, I, I felt the weight of that, but his next words were, one of the things I wanted to do when I was here was to meet the man that killed my son. And I wanna hug him and tell him that I love him and that God loves him and that we forgive him. I wasn't expecting that, even though I, I know he's a godly man, this is a godly family, but in his pain, and then the next thing that he said was, I can't imagine what that young man is going through right now, knowing that he took the life of someone else. And I just want him to know that we forgive him and we love him. What kind of man? has the strength to forgive and love someone who took his son. Apart from Jesus, I don't think it's possible. And what, what Trent's dad is showing us is that we are meant, we are designed 
to walk in peace with Jesus, peace with ourselves, peace with others. And then in the midst of tragedy, we get to bring peace in the midst of a, a tragic, tragic situation. We get to be a people that bring peace to a chaotic and broken world. And what would it look like if we, if we all walked that way? What would this world be like if we chose to walk peacefully? As we wrap up today, there's only really two questions for take home. First question is this, are you peace with God? And if you're not, Jesus wants peace with you. And he came and he settled that by dying on a cross for you. And all it requires is you to, to do is to surrender. And the second question is, are you at peace with people? Whatever's broken, whatever's not restored, whatever's not complete, whatever's not whole, Jesus is crying out to you, would you enter in to the brokenness? And I will give you strength to offer peace. I just wanna invite you to wrestle with those two questions this morning as we get ready to go to communion and have a meal with Jesus. Are you at peace with him? Are you at peace with people? I wanna invite you just to have a conversation with Jesus this morning. And if you didn't get communion as you came in, either because you forgot or because you just weren't planning on it, you would like communion, raise your hand. And these fine men will be sure to get you communion as we get ready to go to the table this morning. Let's pray.